Cootsies. <laughs> Where'd you get them? <laughs> uh, bourbon and clay. I don't know this. I know. She's a little maker in California. Um, as a craftsman. Of what? Okay, this is going to bother me all night. <laughs> Do you call. notice that, uh, like, you challenge yourself to support other, like, small mom and pop creatives a little bit more? Or are oh, you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've had our company now for six years, and it's shifted the entire way that we even think about life in general. We were talking about this yesterday. Tyler's an avid hunter, mm. and uh, we our goal is to be able. I'm going hunting with him. Eight, <sighs> eight months pregnant, I'm going to go shoot a deer. Dude, you for, have you done it before? Savage. Never. You have never. never. Oh, but yeah. I'm so dedicated. I'm like, I just want. I don't want to have to buy meat that I don't know where it's coming from. And I so, so often just don't eat meat because of that reason. But it's so funny because it all stems from this place of, like, we want to know where our stuff's coming from. We want to uh, know where our money's going because we experience it on a daily basis. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. I kind of... Sorry, Jules. Go ahead. I feel um, as, of, as I get older, the only real way to, for me personally, to feel like I have an opinion is where I spend my money. Mm. Like... I don't really feel like I have too much of a, of a say in the political scope or the political sphere. I don't feel like specifically the federal government gives two shits about me. Yeah. But I do feel that the way I spend my money and who I spend my money with is the most powerful um, way for me to express my opinion. 100%. Yeah. It's That's the biggest cool. tool that we have. What are you going hunting for? We're going for, I'm going for a deer. Yeah. Um, he's he's bear hunting right now, and he's going to go elk hunting as yeah, well. Yeah, I kind of hunt just everything. So uh, have you ever put a, I don't know the proper terminology, put a, a bear down? <laughs> Harvested? How are you? Harvested. No, this is, it's like my, the great white buffalo for me. So I've been chasing it for six years. and Same guy? No. Ah, that no, would be cool. I've come close a couple times been with people that have gotten bears but just haven't been able to nab one myself so it's kind of just this ongoing my yearly struggle and the chase and you're doing rifle yeah yeah okay why now for you Um, at eight months pregnant especially we shifted so by the way, we're live, guys. Story. Okay. Oh, we're, okay. we're on. Just a heads up. Okay. <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we just smoothly we're, uh, grazed yeah, into this whole it. podcast. This is uh, our uh, our good friends Teddy and Ty Cripps. Um, Two piece. Uh, no Spokane's no connection most to the men's club. Couple of all time. Oh yeah, that's us. Um, we've uh, had the privilege and, and honor of meeting you guys in the last month or so. We live like a hop, skip, and a jump <laughs> away from each other. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. So back so to the fun. bears. <laughs> back to why now? Oh yeah, sorry. Why now? Um. I've been bird hunting before and it hasn't, I just, I've had a fear around actually killing a large animal. Mm. Um, I don't have a problem with him. I mean, I eat, we eat venison 99.9% of the time, but this year when COVID happened and all of the animal, the meat shortage, Mm. all of that happened, I was just like, you know what? Like I want to live as 
self-sufficiently as we possibly can. And that means putting the time in, putting the work in, and being willing to do things. If I'm going to consume meat, why not be actually connected to it? It just God. makes a lot of sense to me. I wish I had those values. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so clean. I mean, it's so clean, super so healthy. Clean meat, you know exactly where it's been, what it's eating. Yeah. And it tastes um, better. Oh, it tastes so good. Yeah. I've never had bear before, although uh, I'm guessing you have, Ty. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel after you consume a wild bear? You feel like you can lift a whole house? Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy because you'll get people that are like, oh, bear's the mo- most terrible thing I've ever eaten in my life. Ah. And then you get people like, it's the greatest thing. It just it really depends on what that bear's eating. Ah. Uh, if, if you're 10 miles back and uh, just back in the country, that thing's just eating up berries left and right, so the meat's super sweet. Mm. But if you got a bear a mile outside your cabin eating garbage, it's going <laughs> to taste like garbage. So... Oh. That's what my sweat tastes like at the gym. <laughs> is it just tastes you don't like know. garbage. Tastes like Jack in the Box tacos. <laughs> wow, man. I've I've had the desire to get into hunting. And then um I look at myself in the mirror and I go, What would I have I would be so absurdly obvious peculiar running around in the forest (laughs) (laughs) like trying to sneak up on animals yeah i might have to cut this old do thing over here and and take Uh, it take 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 you up on your offer i'll I'll take you out anytime he's been talking about cutting his hair you had long hair like alan once i saw some pics yeah you looked like an old rocker yourself had hair almost down to my butt and uh but when you start to bald on top, he started. Do it. He started asking me every morning to take a picture of the back of his head just mm-hmm. to make sure that he wasn't losing anymore. And it got to the point <gasps> ah, he saw the picture and he goes, "Today's the day." And That's we went it. to Costco, bought clippers, and buzzed her down. Shaved it. Ty's just walking around with like a GoPro on the back of his head. <laughs> He's like, "Bro, what? Well, you're just shooting the top of your dome right yeah. now. What, what's happening? Losing much. it. Couldn't be that guy. You're Hair- about to do it too, man." Me, we're, about yeah. to, we're about to shave it off one of these days. Soon. I, Dude, I got a great set of balding clippers. If you, what are balding clippers? It's just extra short, <laughs> extra mean, short. Smooth. Like, do you do it in the shower? Do you bick it? No. Can you say that anymore? Bick it. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Be able I don't know. To it just feels like an offensive <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a super offensive I phrase. It this morning, I bicked it. <laughs> <laughs> she won't let me bick it yet. No, no. But we're not at that point. We're at double zero. Dude. Pretty low. That was my uh, number in uh, Pee Wee football. Double zero. Double zero. I was the skinniest kid on the team. I always felt like that was a number reserved for, right, like big, big fellas. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and I had a complex, so I was like, give coach, give me double Z. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so I I want to do something first because uh, I <laughs> this is funny, right? So. I bought one of your wallets, and I love it. It's a any, to give context for everybody, please, um, who's listening. Teddy and Ty have an incredible uh, leather goods, leather handbags. Like, what would you consider it? Leather goods. Yeah. Leather goods uh, shop that they have running out of their their uh, the garage. It's such a cool so workplace, cool. Yeah. and uh, me and my wife have become obsessed with your with your craftsmanship and your bags and uh we both got a wallet 
And then uh, I've noticed this for myself that like my my back starts. I've got I'm a lot of lot of cards. I carry a load of cash. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, throwing D's, dude. Throwing D's. Huh? Benji's baby. Benji, Benji. Um, I'm like, man, my God, lay down at night and like my lower back's a little bit weird, a little tweaked out. So then I'm on your site and I see what none other than I'm going to show you. I'm going to open it up right now. This is the coolest thing ever. Where'd it go? You got a tight on me, Trist? Bring it in, dude. Teddy Joel right here. Check out the packaging. Come on, son. You ain't getting that at Gucci. Mm. Boy, you ain't getting that service at Gucci. Hand delivered. Okay, yeah, is it? Come on, dude. We mess we this make moment real up. Sturdy real sturdy. <laughs> this is. Um, oh my god! This is the coolest. Have you even opened this yet? No, oh, this is cool. brand new, bro. Look at this. It's a belt with fanny. It's a fanny bag. Oh my god! How fly is this, dude? Why do you? I'm. Can I get one too? No. Absolutely. Come I know, on. I know we should have grabbed you something, Joel. Well, you didn't I'm have sorry. to grab me anything. I want to get something oh. from you guys. I kind of want to put it on. Do it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. You gotta do it sitting down, dude. You gotta stay. You gotta try to do it. That is beautiful. I've never seen a fanny pack that's that's not like Velcro or nylon or something stupid with like neon colors on it. Oh yeah. That's like this is the new age fanny pack. Oh yeah. Do people wear these usually? Is this a, is oh, this a popular gosh. thing? Oh. I'm not. I don't follow trends very much. It's so as you can funny. tell by the way I look. We started we started selling hit bags, um, hit bags. They're fanny, on, fancy fanny packs. Oh yeah, baby, it nice, looks so good. Yeah. Um, so we started selling them on Etsy like five years ago, and it legitimately we have sold thousands and thousands mm. of fanny packs. It is our number really? one. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. People just latched onto them, and then wow. Now they're a thing. They're they're. I mean, they're just, just conventional. Yeah, they oh, just make so much. They're sense. functional, practical, and super cute now. This thing is not leaving my waist. <laughs> that well, looks, and you looks can, good. Now let you me can actually use it. That belt as your belt. Right. I know. I um. When I was a youngster and I played baseball, and I would get a new glove, uh, my dad would. You know, he, he would take the glove and we just, for, for months, we just beat the hell out of the glove, right? So it worked in really, and you could catch anything, right? Do you have to do that with fanny packs? Do you kind of, do I need to like, you know, put, put a bunch of shot puts in there and jog? Yeah. <laughs> it's never been put that way, but yes. Teddy's just like, listen, dude, I don't give a shit. As long as your check doesn't bounce, you can do whatever. No. It, okay, so that is natural veg tan leather, which kind of goes back to our sourcing thing. We, It's taken us six years to get to a place where we, we literally source um, completely 100% natural vegetable tan Italian leather, which is... It's probably one of the biggest accomplishments for us because we literally have 100% traceability back to the farm, to the actual cow that your fanny pack was made with, which is a huge feat. I mean, to anybody who's dealing with sourcing, especially when it comes to animals, wow, um, it's really hard to get transparency. So that fanny pack is undyed. So that thing is going to look, it's going to tell a story, especially if you do what you just said that you were going to do. Shot puts. It's so cool, dude. Yeah, I'm that's going to yeah. patina insane. I mean, it's going to get darker. Just the oils and the sun. Yep. And 
do you need to to oil do i need to like you know i've got a leather couch at home and we've kind of got to excuse me condition it every so often do i need to do that with these bags or yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it depends on what you want it to look like too yeah if, i want it if I'll, you want it to be rugged and then let it let it do its thing give it a good condition maybe every couple of years if you want it to stay pristine which sounds like you really don't i i just want to i want to look like i went out into the forest and i got myself a brown bear mm-hmm. and this is where i held all my bullets okay so <laughs> let it do its thing you, you you said you've been doing bags for six years right yeah can you take us back and just kind of like let us know how you start because it's a, a little bit of an interesting story how mm. you got into making leather to begin with because yeah. you didn't mean to really and it kind of just happened and we also need to address that these two are a married couple who are the coolest couple in all of spokane and i think they're I I, adm- I aspire to be just like you guys in any relationship oh that I get myself Jules. into as well. So oh lord, um, you're asking for it. But your but your whole story is amazing, and and I'm and I'm curious about like how you kind of started in the leather business and, and where you were at prior to that. Yeah, do you want me to? Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Um, so we lived in Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, LBC, shout LBC, out. baby, mm-hmm. and. Ty's from Burbank. I'm originally from 45 minutes uh, west of Spokane. I grew up on a cattle ranch. Um, Went down to Southern California for school. And about seven years ago, I applied to uh, graduate programs for psychology. And I got into Gonzaga. Um, I got into a couple schools in Southern California. And we were just kind of weighing through quality of life. What does it look like to move to Spokane? What does it look like to be in Santa Barbara? And we were like, well... We could live in like a 200 square foot apartment with our crazy ass dog and Mm. just not be living. Um, Or we could actually like afford life and be around my family because I still have family here in Spokane. So we moved back. He transferred. He was working at um, an ER in Burbank in West Hollywood. And he... Can't wait to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he... Yeah, he transferred hospitals. I had a three-month gap between when we moved and when I started in my program. So my grandpa had a bunch of old leatherworking tools. Um, he was a cattle rancher and did he did all of his own repairs on saddles and everything. So I came across his leatherworking tools. My mom and I came across a piece of suede. We were living with my mom and stepdad at their farm at the time. And um, I hand-stitched a clutch. I posted a picture of it. And a bunch of friends and family members were like, hey, you have three months until you start your program. Make me one of these. (laughs) So I ended up just like slaying in bags um, for a couple months. And then I started an Etsy shop. And it's crazy because Etsy at the time, Etsy's like this hub for handcrafted um, makers, essentially. And yeah, it blew up. It just started, like we started selling things. I mean, international. It was crazy. It was so crazy. And it was shocking and out of left field. We didn't even know what was coming. So, um, fast forward a year, I'm in my program. Business is getting crazy. He has to go down to part-time for us to sustain the business and for me to continue going to school. And it just, it snowballed (laughs) and we, uh, he ended up quitting his job. I graduated. I still practice one day a week. Um, but that feels more of like a hobby to me now. Counseling does. Mm -hmm. And the business is just our full-time gig. So, yeah. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Wow, it's so, so cool. crazy that you just—it's so cool when kind of life directs you in a different in a different path that you that you didn't know you were going to be on, and it seems like that kind of happened in your relationship as well as in your 
business and and, and everything and that's such a yeah. such an admirable thing to be able to kind of just like grasp and take hold of because your guys is because you seem to be genuinely thrilled by mm. the process of doing the the leather stuff and it, it doesn't seem like well this is kind of what we fell into and now we've defaulted to this kind of lifestyle it seems like it's something that you guys are super passionate about and super into yeah. like we go on wednesday walks with you guys which is my favorite part of the week now <laughs> yeah. uh and and ty you're talking about just like you know getting you know having a day where you you kind of mess up at one point you're just like oh my god because you feel you have so much uh intention with what you're trying to do and, yeah. you, and you care so much about the work that you're doing and it can kind of like throw you off and and put you on depending on kind of how it's going for you in that day and so it's really cool to see you guys in there and i remember the first time i came uh with alan and and taz into your guys's garage um I didn't know anything about you, but I just told you how proud I was of you. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, you guys are so, I'm, I'm just proud that you guys are doing this. It seems mm-hmm. like you guys are so happy with it. And, and, I, and I'm just, it's, I'm, it's amazing. It's really, really cool. And so. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. We, almost every day we kind of look at each other and like, God, we, we love doing this. Uh, like, so we're just so stoked to be out there just making bags. And <clears throat> like you said, there's days where, I you know a bag might take me an hour hour and a half it's last three stitches I screw it up or whatever I got toss I gotta start all over you know and I get these it's just but it doesn't doesn't get me it's mm. just it's just like hey I can make bags forever and not think about oh I screwed <clears throat> I screwed this up I you know oh now I'm gonna be a day behind it's all I just we really love being out there and just making it and I'm sure it's you know the same with writing a script or making music you just get in the zone and it's doesn't like time doesn't even matter you're just mm. out there you're loving what you're doing and it's just yeah we're super fortunate mm-hmm. and just stoked to be able to do it and we have a yeah the mm. best customers yeah we do have you ever thought about um so you started with bags obviously there's plenty of things that are made out of leather saddles chaps we get the craziest requests i tell you that i'm waiting for my assless <laughs> They're coming, yeah. We were the, our Whips. name. Our original company name was uh, Hustle and Hide, mm-hmm. and uh, we almost we contemplated Hustle and Ride at oh. one point because we got <laughs> so many, biz, you know, so many biz. bizarre requests. Um, oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like Whips? sexual people oh, yeah. are into oh, some weird shit. It yeah. mostly like the bizarre requests are sexual. Oh, oh always. Yeah. Oh, really? Never a bizarre yeah. request that's not. You're just like. Hmm. Never do, thought about that, but do hey, you, if you're do you guys into even it, like consider that? Well, I've considered it a couple of times. But... <laughs> <laughs> I consider it about as far as I can throw it. Yeah. Um, that's interesting that somebody would have a like uh, I wouldn't call it a tick, but you know what, what would you call it? Like a a weird sexual preference, and then you would just randomly hit up strangers on the internet and go, "Hey, fetish." Listen, yep. I'm I'm looking for this thing that connects a headband to a shoelace, which then goes that I could hang from a ceiling, right, and then up my tailpipe around the corner. Yeah, that's an interesting. Like it goes from zero to a hundred miles an hour uh, very quickly. There, it seems like. Well, yeah, I, I wonder because, like I said, I've considered it, so I've definitely looked into it. Have you? And, oh yeah, and the, I'm sure they're reaching out because that's expensive stuff. Shit's expensive. Oh yeah. Oh, sure. I bet. So they're like, "Hey, if this guy can make it for half that price, right?" I'm in. Yeah. But 
Well, whatever you're into. Yeah. (laughs) Never say never. You guys might have to expand the business model and and make a department for kink. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? I mean, I might try something. (laughs) I wouldn't know what it would be, but I might. Who knows? Jules, if you are at the table of of leather kink, what is your appetizer? What's the first thing you try? I could. I mean, I don't even. All I can think about is a whip, but then I'd be, I I feel like I'm scared. I don't want to get whipped. I don't want to. I don't want to whip somebody either. You know, like, and I don't know what else there is. Like ball and chain. Like, is that a is that a leather thing? Is I don't you know. Tell what, me, I don't bro. Know, well, I don't know. I just I'm into some assless chaps, but that doesn't. That just seems like a silly thing to wear on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> on our Wednesday walks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what is available in the. In the in the sexual leather department yeah, of, of things, I think you can make it up. It's um, I think it's kind of an open canvas. I don't I don't know if there's any rules or regulations to the to the to the leather wow. kink world. Mm. I uh, would say no. I would say the there world are, is no. your oyster. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you could th- if you could think it, you could do it. If you yeah. can think it, you can yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty, uh, Teddy mentioned earlier that you for. I want to say five years or six mm-hmm. years, you worked in West Hollywood <laughs> Close as, to, an, yeah. as an ER technician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so to give the listeners um, uh, the gravity of that occupation, I, I don't know if everybody's been to West Hollywood, <laughs> but I have <laughs> many, many times. And uh, West Hollywood feels like that uh, specific scene in Star Wars where, like, there's just a bunch of different sizes of aliens. That's pretty much it. For anybody listening who lives in West Hollywood, I apologize for this description. <laughs> but there's there's just, there's a lot to look at. There's a lot going on in, in West Hollywood. And you were, you were at Ground Zero. Yeah. When... How does that affect? Now you're married. You're married to a counselor. How does that? And Teddy, maybe you can touch on this. Mm-hmm. How did that affect your outlook on human beings? I feel I have a, a couple friends who have worked security at mm-hmm. music venues, and I've thought about what they must think about people because every single human they run into is at their worst. Right? Yeah. They're hammered. Mm-hmm. They they. They, Miley Cyrus said I could be backstage, sir, right? <laughs> and it must uh, inform your perspective of humans. Can you touch on that? How did you, like, are, how long ago was this, by the way? Oh, man, this was, so we've been, I've been doing our business full time for, I think we're coming up on four years, mm-hmm. so three and a half-ish, four years. <clears throat> and so after that, or before that, Oh, geez, I think I started in 2011, I want to say, and then worked down there for three years, up here for two years. Um, but how it made me look at people is you definitely look at people differently. Yeah. Uh, you see them at their worst. You see terrible people. Mm. You see great people. You see people that you're just like, you like really feel for because mm. you're like, what? Like, you're such a good person. Mm can't believe this happened to you Mm. um but yeah it's definitely it's definitely skewed my view on people 
and just easy to be like, oh, I could I get a re- I could get a read on people without having to talk to them just from how they are. And she she used to call me out all the time, like mm-hmm. you don't even know them. Mm, like, yeah. oh man, I, <laughs> I think I do. Yeah. Um, you guys are. Uh, congratulations, by the way. You're about to have a baby. Yep. Thank you. Um, Number one, numero uno. Numero uno. Ty, uh, being that close to death, <laughs> I mean, this is morbid, and I'm sorry that maybe I'm poking where I shouldn't, no. but like, does that make you, like, how does that view um, come into play when you're thinking about being a father? Is it, does it inform it? No, I don't. I don't think it does. I mean, I've seen, can't say I've seen everything. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of, I mean, death of kids, death of old people, death of 30-year-olds that, you know, I've just seen a lot of it. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I mean, especially on our first one, I'm like, I got to take care of this human. I got to, you know, that's a scary thought. But, um. Yeah, I, I don't think it's really, really gets to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could be very desensitized by like the, the work that you've done before. But when you mm. bring a kid into the world and bring life into the world, rather than watching it go out from somebody else that has no real connection to you, I imagine that like your experience is probably just going to be twice as enhanced, maybe even because yeah. of what mm. you've seen. For um, sure. I tell you who I'd like to to have in the cockpit during delivery, though. My boy Ty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. me and my wife had a had a baby back in uh, March of 2019, and I was there. I was in the cockpit. I was about as worthless <laughs> as as a sloth at the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Like I was pretty good at like getting ice chips. She was stoked about that, yeah. and I was a pretty good encourager. I can encourage like no other. But, man, anything to do with medical things, you know, uh, the the ins and outs of, of literally what happens during a pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, uh, I, I would want you in my corner, Ty, for <laughs> sure. I, I say that all the time. I mean, he is, it's amazing your tolerance for trauma. Um, you are one of the best people to have with you and when any kind of emergency anything high trauma medically related happens i am just one of those people that freezes up i don't know what to do mm-hmm. which yeah. is like the most people who are not in the medical field right i mean right. i've definitely been desensitized like you said of just like things don't shock me i don't get that shock mm-hmm. of like oh what now uh I, we've talked about it before but like things just kind of slow down a little bit for me and i like hyper focus on okay what's like what are the next steps? What are we mm. going to have to do? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. But I also think it kind of made me a little emotionless towards ah, people. Sure, yeah. Because when something happens, I'm like, okay, well, you're not dying. <laughs> you're not... Yeah. You know, okay, your arms... You broke your arm. Like, you're good. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Um yeah, and your so, capacity for empathy towards people, period, is different than most. And, like, yeah. we've worked through that. I mean, I'm a freaking marriage and family therapist. So it's, like, I'm obviously more wired towards empathy and mm. being present with people and their pain. 
and you're more of like, let's figure out how we can fix this and then move on. Yeah. So it's been a really interesting juxtaposition between the two of us and it's taken time and it's taken a lot of intention and effort in our marriage to get to a place where we find balance and where we can work together towards still feeling empathy, but also having, I mean, sometimes therapists can get a little crazy too. Well, yeah. How do you navigate that in your relationship being a professional at at, at that mm-hmm. uh, and and not trying to bring like a professional mm-hmm. reaction to to the way that Ty is is being or his de- desensitivity. Um, nice dude, dropping bombs. Desensitivity. I don't even know if it's <laughs> Come a on, word. Son. Yes. Desensitization. Desensitization. See, go. I didn't even say it right, dude. <laughs> Both of those words are way. It's over much my better. Head, dude. Um, Numb. Yeah. Like, how would you? I, like, I feel like. I, it would be so hard if I were in a relationship to be with somebody who was, you know, therapizing me. But I don't know. I doubt you are because you don't seem like the type of person that would just be like, well, I know that the diagnosis for what mm. you're dealing with mm-hmm. is this thing yeah. or that thing. And I think you you probably addressed it from a very empathetic place and also from like a loving place because he's your husband and you want to care for him and actually help him in a different way. Like what yeah. are those different ways that you would address a husband and a person that you love and, 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 and a client. Yeah. Versus some, like a, like a nutcase like me <laughs> or me. <laughs> You're giving me a lot of credit, Jules, which I, I appreciate. But in the beginning, I mean, I had, I think my first semester was all theory and I was so caught up in the theory of everything and so fascinated with just diagnosing people that I started diagnosing everybody in uh. my circle and it was so unhealthy i mean i would do it to tyler all the time where i was like you're you're just in this state of of wallowing in your lack of secure attachment and you know just like throwing shit at him and i'm like you were so gracious with me but he literally coined the term therapizing he goes you need to stop therapizing me and you need to just be with me Mm. and so that shifted and it took probably like a year and a half after i graduated of like (laughs) okay, everybody's human. We Mm. all have our stuff Mm. and diagnosis and all of that. It has a place in the world for sure. But more than anything, being present with people and understanding their pain and understanding what they need um, is the most healing and beneficial thing that you can do for Mm. somebody's mental health. So same thing in our marriage of just like, I can't look at him like, you know, a client or a patient that I need to diagnose more. So he's, he's my husband and he has needs like all of us. And like, uh, psychology, um, is really interesting to me. Um, uh, well, I'm not a, I'm not a very smart person, Teddy, but I think about <laughs> <laughs> like having a degree in psychology because, and correct me if I'm wrong, the brain, we, we still know very little about the brain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from like a, um, a, a, a black and white diagnosable angle, it's, am I right in saying that? Oh yeah. That it's still, it's a very still, young profession. Right. Yeah. Is it, um, is it difficult to deal with human beings, uh, who have, cause huh, I'm, how am I going to put this? Sometimes my my issues that I have that present themselves in specifically relationships is because I had like too many drinks the night before, mm-hmm. or I uh, am stressed about um, you know 
money or my the, how clean my house is. Like there's all these things that kind of inform and counteract my like mental peace. Is that difficult uh, as as a professional to like dig into what those things are versus just being like, okay, well, this is obviously a, a bipolar human being who mm -hmm. just has no real grasp on reality versus like, you kind of just need to wake up and make your bed, dude, and you'll, mm -hmm. you'll be fine. Is, that, is there even a question in there, Jules? Can you cut me off real quick so that I, <laughs> our guests don't leave? Get out. Does that make sense? No, I think I, think I understand. Um, there's a part of psychology that you can get very caught up in, um, and it's just looking at kind of going back to the whole diagnosing thing where you look at somebody from like the DSM, you know, and you're like, okay, what are the presenting? What's the DSM? Uh, what does DSM mean? It's the diagnosis manual that we go off of. Ah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Which so, is now like 10,000 pages. It's huge. It's, it's huge. so huge. Oh, wow. Just an encyclopedia um, for... Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so you can, you can come from that place and it's not a great place to come from. I mean, there are obviously chemical imbalances and things that people really do need to address and they need medication for. But more than anything, it's just important to see all of us as human beings and being able to kind of get to the root of, um, I mean, I, I practice from what's, you know, essentially an attachment theory. So it's like, how do we get people to be able to get to a place where they can feel secure enough with other human beings and have secure attachments? Because when we have secure attachments with others, we are able to be healthier people and more whole mm. um, and well. So that's the whole like premise that I work from. And when you do that, it's easier to look at people as humans than it is just a patient. Mm. Um, and so like external things, I mean, we all have shit in our lives and things that's, it's constantly consuming us and going on. But if you can kind of uh, look past those things and look internal and say, okay, what's the core of actually like the anxiety, mm. the depression? I mean, Jules and I were talking, I think before we started, but looking at the core of, of the issue rather than all of the pressures, the external pressures, the things that we, you know, it's easy to pinpoint and say, it's this, it's mm, this, it's this. And yeah. it's like, no, I think it's a lot deeper than that. So it's just being intentional with those questions and asking um, and provoking those things. And it's not normal. It's not comfortable to get vulnerable. Right. <laughs> it isn't. That's not like the norm to go up to somebody and be like, how's your heart? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. Do you ever, um, I mean, this is a question for both of you. Um, when you work in a bag, right? Like I would imagine that the passion you feel Ty, for your, for your bags and, and how fun it is to, to make them Teddy, when you're stoked about, a, a maybe a new design, you're really like in it and each bag gets your attention. Ty, when you were working in an ER, mm -hmm. like how, I, I just can't even imagine this happens to me when I tour, right? Mm -hmm. So like when I tour, it's, you know, we'll go out for 50 days in a row, right? And we'll play in those 50 days, we play like 42 shows. It's like four on one off. And sometimes I catch myself before, like, like when you wake up and you're like, dude, I don't feel like singing today. Hmm. Like, granted, when I get up on stage, I'm going to give it my best, right? Because I, I really care about people being in the audience and giving of their time for me. And, um, I love that. So, right. So I, the, the core of my being is going to show up and do the best that I possibly can. But if I'm honest, I'm like, God, this doesn't feel 
this show today or the way I feel today doesn't feel like it felt eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like the shows will sometimes blur in, in together. And I'm curious of does that ever happen in dealing with human beings where like at some point it just becomes a job ever? Does that ever happen? Or mm -hmm. are you able to really um, maintain presence and, uh, and attempt to try and be there. And now I'm, I don't want you to get a bad review on Yelp for your marriage counseling. So like, you know, <laughs> I just gave all the people who come to my shows being like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. He was lazy in Minneapolis six years ago. Um, can you guys touch on that at all? Yeah. You want to go for it? You want me to go for it? Um, I mean, I don't think it's realistic in life to have expectations where you're going to be stoked on what you're doing every day, mm. right? Like that's just not a realistic expectation to have on yourself. Um, it's kind of funny we were talking about this this morning. Mm -hmm. Cause you're gonna just have blah days. You're gonna have days where you just don't feel like engaging in your work and that's just how we function. You mm. can't be on all the time. Mm. So that's, I think it's a really good reminder and a good goal to have going through your work, what you are passionate about, what you're pursuing to be able to really say, I love this at the core of it. Like I love what I do at the core of it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be stoked on what I'm doing every day. I mean, I could have a really awful month. I could have an awful year and that's part of life, right? Like life just entails sometimes discouragement. It entails, uh, I, I mean, even a sense of like melancholy in our mm. work, like in repetition, if you're pursuing something long-term, mm. it's repetition, right? Like you're in a groove, you get into a rhythm which is healthy, but it also comes with a whole, you know, other set of, of, uh, things like, uh, lack of interest. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't say like, what's the word I'm looking for? Essentially, uh, like a lack of purpose in what you're doing. Um, you're mm. going to have feelings where it's like, you question, should I be doing this? Is this where my heart's at? Um, but I always go back to, and we always go back to, like, do we want to be doing anything else? Mm. <laughs> would anything else be this life-giving? Would, would anything else be this satisfying uh, long-term for us? And we always say, no, this is what we want to be doing. This is where our heart's at. Yeah. I, um, in what I do, and I just cut you off, Jules, I apologize. Okay. Um, there's certain aspects of my job that I really, really love. I, I love, like, the therapy of just singing like mm -hmm. there's a there's a there's a muscle group that i connect with while singing my hardest that just it, it, it i feel elated when that happens there's other aspects of my job that i absolutely hate um was there anything ty when you were working in the in the er that you just always had to do that you were like <laughs> man I am so tired, you know, it was just like continuously somebody would come in and be, and have this, you would have to do this procedure that you're like, this is my least favorite part of the job. Oh, dude. Yeah. Um, I, so you get your, your frequent flyers <laughs> and yeah. it's like the first, I don't know, 50 times. It's just, it's just the same thing, the same thing. And it's funny. So, okay. Some of the frequent flyers are funny. Yeah. And you know, you build a relationship, yeah, yeah, but it's just, after you get to this point, it was just like, oh my gosh, and you, it's the same thing, like, hitting the call button, hitting the call button, you walk out, hitting the call button, um, 
And, and you, you just get, you're just like. By frequent flyers, you mean people who just go into the ER constantly. All the time. I mean, yeah. I got a scratch. Wow. Um, I got a paper cut. I mean, you anything that just seems like it's a day, just a normal thing, they'll come in for. Wow. But, I mean, the worst is getting the same homeless drunk person that just shit all over themselves. Yeah. And then having to clean them up. Yeah. And then they go out. You let them out hour later right back showering them again i'm professional i could i could shower anybody with shit on them <laughs> guaranteed this i use guy, the softest soaps oh, dude. dude i had this guy every, every time i worked what and what's that no you can't say i can't i can't say his name Sorry. but forgot i'm just having a conversation had, i didn't forgot he had style let me tell you this he had style that guy had gold high top nikes he came in just covered in shit into his shoes. Oh. And I'm like, dude, and uh, I don't know if it's the hospital or a program, just <laughs> bringing clothes. People donate clothes shoes, so I go in. I'm bagging his stuff up to throw it into the burn barrel. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. He's, I mean, barely awake. Yeah. He's so drunk. Hey, 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 not my shoes. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean not your shoes? They're literally, I could, I was dumping yeah. poop out of them. He's yeah. like, that shit will nope. buff out. Nope, those are my gold high tops. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And like, just rinsed them off, gave them on, put them back on. And when he left, left, came back, same thing. I'm like, dude loves his high tops. Dude, proper sneaker freak. Com- comfort is key. Um, interesting that we're, we're talking about shit in shoes uh, because uh, my best friend, uh, Sir Julian Gavilanis. I'm not sure if you have any any stories you could touch I've shit on. I've in my shoes before <laughs> myself. <laughs> Did you keep them? I, they were the only shoes I had, so <laughs> I had to. Please, Jules, please. Give it. Tell us the story. Give it away. Please. If you're comfortable, oh, if not, we can push over it. I think I've talked about pooping myself on every episode, so I'm fine by all means. Um, yeah, it was it was awful. I probably should have come to the hospital because I probably needed help back in fifth grade. But I went to uh, Camp Silverton where uh, it was like a fifth grade retreat for the weekend where you go and you like make arts and crafts and you hang out and you go gold panning and you do the stuff. And uh, I, my, my parents had like recently split up and like weren't really around to tell me, like to make me a proper bag. I could have done it myself. I just wasn't thinking straight and wasn't that much of an independent. So I didn't pack a bag. I went with Beavis and Butthead slippers and a pair of clothes to this three day camp away sleepover place. Are we talking like big old padded slippers? Padded slippers, oh, like so they're tight. like they, they were not at then. <laughs> um, and I went and I just like I had like I don't know I don't know what it was about like squeezing cheeks for me that I like had this like knee like I felt like it felt good for me to do when I was young. I would always like take timeouts and like when I was playing to be like. And it's, it's half time. It's half time. And I would squeeze and I would just, and I, for some reason it like, I, I don't know what it was, but I like, I, I just never went to the bathroom to go deal with myself. I just like squeezed cheeks instead. Yeah. 
So of course I was out there and I think we were like, you know, doing the gold panning in the river and I was squeezing cheeks, kind of just standing there acting like a, you know, like nothing was wrong, just squeezing. One thing led to another and, you know, some thing came out and it was, I pooped myself. (laughs) Well, the problem was that as fifth graders, like we didn't have access to like the showers we only had access to the toilets and we didn't like the only the camp counselors could use the could use the showers at the place so i was like i would love to use a shower but like I, but i can't i don't want to ask because i don't want to tell them that i put my pants i also don't want to tell them that i don't have any other clothes to wear so i'm just going to not address this at all instead i'm going to like fall into the river where we're gold panning and try <laughs> oh to God. swish it around and Some get brown it out nuggets Dude, it just made it so much worse, and it just and like the cold water just made me like more constipated or more like it made me like more uh, diuretic, I guess. I don't know what it did, but it made more happen. And now it's wet and it's sloshing around and it's going down my legs and into my Beavis and Butthead slippers. And I had to. This is day one of three, dude. I had to go make dream catchers. I was sitting with like both of my legs like up like this and because I was I had like I tried to keep my butt elevated from the ground because like I could smell myself because it was starting to dry and get like nasty and disgusting and it was in it was it was in my toes in my Beavis and Butthead slippers and it was just it was so awful and like everybody knew. But nobody was saying anything, and I had to go in. I was like sleeping in my sleeping bag, but it was like smelling up the whole room when at night, and I was like zipping my whole entire body up and just like hot boxing myself into my own sleeping bag. Oh, it's just so disgusting, man. And I came, I finally wound up coming home, and I got into my mom's car, and she was just like, God, what have you done? I was just like, Mom. I, you didn't give me a bag to go to sleepaway camp. I shit my pants day one, and I've been sitting in it for three days straight. It's crispy now. My my like underwear was like snapping and breaking. It was awful, and and it was like it was. I mean, it was really really gross and all down myself. So I imagine you saw a lot of those kids, or men who men. were doing that. Yep. Uh, Dude, it was so much it was shit. disgusting. It was it was really horrible. And then the next day I came back to school, and everybody was like. You know, calling me the poopy pants boy. And I had to deal with that oh, all fifth grade. And that's why I'm so insecure with my life now. Because <laughs> I pooped my pants in fifth grade and I've never let it go. And it's stuck in my Beavis and Butthead slippers in between my toes. Um, as a uh, professional... <laughs> Teddy, can you unpack that for us? <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say, next week, I have a session yeah, open for awesome. you. You know, I think the weirdest part about it all was that just like, I just, I just didn't, because I've told that story to people before, and they're like, well, wh- why didn't you just bring a bag? Why didn't you bring stuff? Why didn't you? And it's like, I just went. I just went. I didn't think like, you know, you had to get like your parents' signature on stuff. Like you had to get... Uh, permission to do go do these things like my parents didn't know i was going to sleepaway camp they didn't care or they did care i'm sure but they were just so busy dealing with their own thing that i was just like i got my slippers and i got my sweatpants and i got my born to be wild t-shirt and i'm ready to roll (laughs) what's interesting about that though jules i know i've known you for many years and um 
up until recently, that's kind of how you lived your life, though, a little bit. Like it's still, it's I would, still how I live. I mean, we would, I try we would not to be, poop my pants. Often, well, no, but. not that. But I'm saying, like, all right, Jules, we're gonna go. We're going. I remember. Well, it didn't happen on tour, but uh, you'd be like, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm like, bro, you don't have anything. Like we're going snowboarding. You don't have boots. Yeah. You don't have a jacket. Yeah. You don't have gloves. Um, it's uh, I I don't know why, but maybe that's a trait of just like I'm. Now I'm playing psychiatrist here. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm no, I'm just kind. Of, I'm a, I'm a bit of a of a minimalist, but I also have been like ill prepared for any. Like I've lived in New York for nine years, and it took like seven. For me to get a proper jacket for the winters of New York, yeah, because I and I would just like be out in the cold in the in the wind like negative six degrees, just like ah, ah, my face hurts. This sucks. This is awful. And it's like, dude, get a jacket. But at that time, I was so irresponsible that it was like I could justify spending two hundred and fifty dollars on a bar tab, but I couldn't justify spending sixty dollars on a jacket. <laughs> He's like, oh, 60 bucks, Eddie Bauer. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing it back to the Eddie so, Bow Bow. Oh, so, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to unpack with all of that, but um, we'll get there. We we'll, will. We'll continue I'm, having those, that will. dialogue. I appreciate you being uh, forthright with that yeah, <laughs> with yeah. that story, Julian. I'm sorry that I – hopefully you don't, <laughs> don't hate me after this taping. No, dude. dude, don't you ever bring – I'm the <laughs> editor of this thing, dude. You are. So but you I'm also going to leave it in <laughs> because it's – it's we, humanizing, man. We all poop our pants. If you haven't pooped your pants, oh, dude, I don't trust come on. You. There's something wrong. With there's you. something wrong with you. You're, you're lying, or 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 there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for real. You are lying. That I'm is... trying to set the example to be more open with yourself and there to you know talk about pooping your pants, man. We all poop. Sometimes you do it in your pants. I consistently urine urinate in my pants uh, <laughs> as an adult. I'm I'm waiting for yeah. I mean, Does come December, have... I'm like. I'm yeah. gonna be leaking all the time. Yeah, I and Taz will laugh at me too. I'll come inside, just in pain, like I could, I'm so bad. Oh my god! And I can't. And you know, I'm five feet away from the toilet, and it's over. There's nothing. There's no point. There's no point in just doing anything besides hopping in the shower. Yeah. Because uh, I just I wait too long, and I drink. Too. You've seen me, right? I got, I got oh, yeah. two liquids. You guys haven't even jumped into your drinks, and I'm already three quarters of the way through both of them. <laughs> I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a guy, old faithful going on here, and we're not even gonna be halfway through the pod. But that's good pod content right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we need to get the YouTube numbers up. Um, I want to go back to um, how you guys met because it's an interesting story. Um, would you guys? I won't tell the audience. You can. How did you meet? How how long have you known each other? Um, give me give me the history. Uh, on that P note, yeah, I'd like to go drain the mainframe real quick. Bro, get it. Dude, on it. Yep. Go for it. We'll take a pause, and we're back. And we're back. We, we are back. Took a, we took a pee 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 break. A little pee pee break. Um, we're pregnant. So. We're we're pregnant. <laughs> and bladders. You both are. Yes. Teddy, Teddy and this I were... teamwork. I was getting my free session in while we were taking that break for a little jiffy there. <laughs> yeah, Jules was like, oh, Teddy, can like, I talk to you all about the balcony here? <laughs> Seriously. I am, man. I am. And I, and I just... I have so many... I have so many questions and I'm so interested in in where you come from uh, in your thought process. And, and again, I can say it for the rest of my life, but like I... 
truly do aspire. I mean, I don't know you guys well enough to say that I aspire to be exactly like you because I'm sure you have your downs as well. I hope if, if you don't, I'd get the fuck out of here because right? I don't like you and I don't want you around. But I, I truly do think that you guys have something super, super special that's really admirable in your relationship. And I just have such a hard time in my own. Mm-hmm. And I just have like been a serial monogamous my whole life. And I just like can't figure it out for myself. And it's just so special to be able to like acknowledge um, y- your own issues when in a relationship to, to, to be accountable to the things that you are uh, bringing to that relationship that's, that's destructing it, mm-hmm. that's destroying it. Um, and for so long, I don't know, I've like, we were just chatting about it during the break. I've tried to like, I've tried to make somebody, um, fall into the, the box that I need for, for them to be the person that I want them to be for me to be able to feel comfortable in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And typically that means I want you to be the best version of yourself that I know you're capable of being. But in, in that pursuit, instead. I frame it as yes, I want you to be bet I want you to be the best version of you. But I find that that's also just saying if I frame it the right way, I'm just trying to manipulate you mm-hmm. to be something that you you aren't. Well, it's yeah. also your definition of them. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. they might not think that the best version of them is the one that you want to fall in love with, which is that's you're kind of paddling up river mm-hmm. in, in in my opinion. I mean, in my relationship <clears throat> With Taz, like I always noticed that, um, or I think what I've found solace in is that I'm, I have the only, the only choice and the only power I have is how I react to somebody and how I'm choosing in that moment to react in a specific way. And it's from, you know, old trauma or old pain or just anxiety or OCD or whatever I deal with. But, uh, I can define how I receive that. I mean, unless it's physical abuse or like verbal and mental abuse, um, we choose how to receive those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, I think, um, I think attempting to try and make somebody be the best version of themselves. um, yeah, that's really like your, that's your definition of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's such a balance between acknowledging your own needs and, and your needs like, and expectations from your partner and then trying to force them to meet things that they can't. And that's kind of what we were talking about um, on our break jewels is being able to not project these things uh, onto your partner but still make it clear the things like and have voice to the things that you need from them. And if they can't provide it for you, then that's not the right person for you. Right. right. Um, and I mean, in our, gosh, I, we started, it was eight months into our marriage when I started in my uh, marriage and family program. And I remember just trying to, I, I projected so many things on Ty and I was just constantly trying to manipulate him into this box that I saw on this thing that I, I thought that I needed when in reality I needed him to just be himself and I needed to be myself and I needed the freedom for us to be able to live together, mm. being fully free to be us. Because mm. that's the most beautiful part of any marriage partnership relationship is when you allow your partner to be themselves in all of the crap and in all of the good and everything you let them be free to be them and express themselves. Um, that is what I have seen to be the most successful part of any relationship, right? Yeah. yeah. And friendship too. But in marriage, it's 
it's such a sacred thing to give your partner freedom. It's just so much easier said than done. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was you know? the hardest year of our marriage, which yeah. we were fresh out the gate, too. I mean, what, six months, and then we you started your program? Yeah. <clears throat> and then just her growth in the program and me being, you know, she said, well, how's your, how's your heart? How are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, life's good. Yeah. Like, I don't need, like, what do you want to know how I feel about having to walk down the street to pick mm. up some milk? I don't right. like. Which we also had the dynamic of him being in the ER and having a lack of access to empathy. Um, having a, a lack of access to his own empathy and empathy for others. Um it was hard for him to get there where he could actually like identify emotions and tell me and speak from that place of <laughs> emotion. And it was one of those things where I just kept having to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, which it felt exhausting. It felt frustrating for him, but we also got to this place where we were like, I think, I mean, we were, we don't yell at each other and we got into a like full blown, it was a blowout. It was a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Very vivid. <laughs> and she sitting on the upper deck in our house and she goes, <clears throat> we were just talking. She goes, how do you feel about all this? And I was like, good. All's good. And she's, she just like, <laughs> that was like the trigger, and she just laid into me, and I was like, holy shit. And uh, so we you know, went back and forth a minute, and I said, you literally want me to tell you exactly what I'm feeling? And she goes, yeah. Mm. And I'm like, oh, why didn't you say so? well i feel like i feel similarly to you in that i mean i don't know if that's how you 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 seem to have grown out of that and let some of that stuff go but i feel like i'm i think at least that everybody has the capacity to express themselves more than they're doing Mm -hmm. and so i'm always trying to like get people to do that to be to give themselves permission to like fully be themselves fully embrace the discomfort in a conversation or a situation with themselves or who they are their insecurities or be just i'm so much more interested in what is what's not working right now for you than what is like Mm -hmm. you know i talked to a lot of actors in new york who are just like hey dude what's up how you doing oh man like i just went out on these auditions my agent's been hitting me up a lot dude like i got these bookings coming up i just worked with morgan freeman like this is it's just like i don't care about any of that like how are how are you actually doing mm-hmm. you know like oh actually dude like i'm fucking struggling mm-hmm. and i'm going through a really really tough time and not everybody is but i think everybody has the capacity to like express themselves in a way that's not always a surface level like i want to show you that i'm i'm i have it all going well and mm-hmm. go and 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 that everything's kind of good and so whenever i get that same response of like hey how you doing it's like good i'm fine it's just like what do you mean are you yeah. are you or are you not and if i can't open that up then i get really i feel like a failure on my part because i haven't um made them feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. to be able to open up but at the same time, I feel like, oh, geez, I'm just picking on this person too much. And like, they don't need to, like, they're fine. They actually are just fine. And they just don't have, they're not ready at this mm-hmm. point to open up in that way. And, and, and I mean, in all reality, they could be going through a season where they are 
okay. Like they're steady and they feel good. And that's your own lack of like, you don't feel like you can connect with people outside of their hardship or outside of their pain. That feels most authentic to you, which fully like the most vulnerable, the hard things for sure. It's, it's a lot easier to be with people in those things and be present and empathize and sympathize. You feel more connected with them because in the hard stuff, we find depth and we find, you know, the, the meat of life, Mm. but in the good stuff, there's a balance there because sometimes, and that's what I've learned from you the most, um, is it's okay to just be okay. Mm. It's okay to be good. And for that to be enough. Um, and I, I mean, I grew up with a dad who was constantly asking me, you know, peanut, how's your heart? How's your heart? And he would do it all the time. And I, I love my dad for it because it made me reflect and it made me question. And he grew up in a family where it was like, how you doing? Good. Mm. <laughs> and if you're not good, then figure it out, you know? So it's, it's balance. There's such a balance and there's a dance to it in relationships with anybody who's in your close circle. Yeah. Ty, that you, makes sense. you, you grew up with four brothers, three, three brothers? other brothers. Yeah. Three other brothers. And Teddy, you were solo. No, no, had I had a, a, no, I had an older brother. I have, I have an older brother, um, and a sister-in-law who feels like a sister. She, they, uh, went to school together, second grade on, uh, gotcha. got married when they were 19. Um, and then I have a younger half brother who's 16. Okay. Okay. Um, are they all as level-headed as you are? Nope. <laughs> they call her Steady Teddy. Steady, steady Teddy. Teddy. That yeah. is such a good name. Yeah. Um, so you uh, seems to run in your family, um, knowing your spouse for a long time, being friends, and then eventually getting married. Can you guys? We were talking about how you guys oh, yeah. met before. Um, Ty's bladder didn't enjoy the microphone. Um, can you guys talk maybe a little bit? Give us your backstory about how you met, how you fell in love. Give us all the dirty well, there's deets. two different versions. There's mine and hers. Well, that's why we want to hear both of them. <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> so uh, our dad's in a band. She's 40 years ago now, bluegrass band. Mm. What was the name? Calvary Mountain Boys. Oh, dude, yeah. let's pull that up. Oh, yeah, it's legit. We got we got a couple of uh, me and Jules had a band back in our early uh, early twenties. Yeah. We're gonna show yeah, debut some it. of those tracks for you guys tonight. But first, let's talk that. about Calvary Mountain Band. <laughs> <laughs> so they they were in a band. Uh, then the band broke up, went separate ways. Her dad started his own solo gig. Um, my dad started a family and business and. Uh, they stayed friends forever, um, getting Christmas cards, mm. you know, just knowing who they are. And like for us, so her dad, just a Christian rock star, uh, singer, I mean, just permed mullet, permed mullet, the whole smoke. Wow. I mean, oh, yeah, was, ripped jeans. Yeah. I mean, ideal. Was he in striper? <laughs> <laughs> so we're always like, you know, he's like idol, just like. He would rock so hard. Um, I would always get Christmas cards. and I mean, as far back as I can remember, I'm like, gosh, she's so hot. <laughs> um, but she was up here. We were down in California. And, um, fast forward, she goes to school down in L.A. I'm living down there working at the hospital. Um, she hits me. Oh, my brother had a, uh, my first niece. And she's like, hey, congrats on becoming an uncle. I'm like, hey, thanks. And she's like, hey, let's hang out sometime. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. You had been looking. <laughs> oh, always. You had, you had your eyes on her <clears throat> forever. Yeah. But it was one of those things where <clears throat> it was like 
family friend, so it was like that unknown, like kind of a brother sister dynamic. Yeah, yeah. so I was kind of like, I don't know, but we'll see. Mm. Uh, she, she came down. Oh, back up. She, when she first got there, we hung out a little bit, but it just wasn't it. Uh, four, three and a half years later, she graduates. She's down in Long Beach. I'm at a buddy's house. Um, and she's like, hey, you should swing by. We were going on a bike ride. And I was like, hey, we didn't make it, but let's hang out some other time. And she's like, no, I'll drive down to you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she comes down. Shit you not. She gets out of the car. I'm like, yep, still hot. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> she uh, went and had a uh, calamari burrito. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds... And she's like, can I have some of that? How like, dare yeah. you around lunchtime talk about <laughs> calamari burritos, son? I know where I'm, I'm going magical. after this pod pod. I'm going in Jimmy John's. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're hanging out. She leaves. Um, I was with two of my buddies, and they're like, are you going to do anything about that? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. Good buds. Itch. Always encouraging. <laughs> you going to do anything uh, about that? <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> and uh, we just started talking, hanging out, hanging out. Um, this was in, like, December? No. November, maybe? Mm-hmm. February, my mom's having her 50th birthday. Their family's invited. They come up. We're hanging out, having fun, dancing. And uh, one of our other family friends is talking with her and gets finished talking, looks at me and goes, you need to, that, you need to marry her. I was like, well, I'd like to start dating her first, but <laughs> if you want. Uh, so we're hanging out, doing lunches, doing dinners. Um surfing and six months into it she looked at me and she's like we should get married i was like okay let's do it and had you officially like properly been dating at this point okay you were like kind of yeah yeah, we were i mean i thought we were (laughs) (laughs) i'd say i mean it was enough to where we're hanging out every weekend yeah having a good time um she didn't have a toothbrush over your house, though. Oh, it was me at her house. Yeah, okay, you were okay. pretty much living with me at that I did point. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. you guys were probably yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's like, we, sh- we should get married. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So Love I went out and bought a ring. Uh, Immediately. Yeah. Like, wow. That was on a Saturday. And that uh, next week, went to the guy and was like, I need a ring. How long did you have the ring before you got down? Uh, two weeks. You because got- no, no, no. I take that back. <clears throat> Three weeks, because it was the second of July. Uh, we flew up here to go to the farm, and I proposed at the farm. Oh, that's cool. And then we were like, "Well, when do we actually want to get married?" And she's like, "Let's do it sooner than later." So we got married three months later. Wow. Let's yeah. let the lecker- let. <laughs> let's let the let's let the record be straight here that teddy proposed to you absolutely you slick son of a guy you know i know what i want i know so cool so like coming from a person who's 
like protecting of his heart and deeply anxious about relationships in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weren't you guys scared shitless of making such a commitment so soon in 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 that in that process? No, it was, it was, I feel like everything was providential though. I mean, it doesn't obviously work out like this all the time or rarely does it work out like this, but we, when you know the family, there's just such a trust there. Mm. And I had been in a previous relationship that was just, just not good. It was volatile and ended really poorly. And so I feel like I came out of that just, uh, knowing what I wanted in a very different way. And kick his ass, Tyler. Nah, but Rewind to when (laughs) she dated this guy throughout college. Right after her and I didn't jive in the beginning, she dated this guy. Uh, We're going to get married three days before the wedding. Mm -hmm. Three days before, I found out he's a total douchebag. Can Uh, we say douchebag on this? You can can get him rip that shirt off if you want, bro. (laughs) Come on, son. (laughs) Uh, Found out he was cheating on her with like five. And he was a pastor of a church. Yeah. Yeah. Super like just oh a really just super shitty. Um, dude. I mean, three is, but five. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where were we going with this? Yeah. And then you just, I mean, when we got together and started dating, you were like. Oh, I, yeah. I, he's got to go. I was like, I w- always wanted to tell you, but the second I saw you post a picture of you and him, I was like, I knew that guy was a douchebag. Mm. Mm. Bugger. Love is blind, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry that you went through that. But it yeah. is kind of nice. It's interesting how life um, can provide you with the canvas for uh, what you what is going to make you happy later in life, right? Like you kind of have to, maybe you don't have to. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have gone through life, no pain, no Mm -hmm. remorse, no uh, tears, no anxiety. That's me, dude. No Beavis, no (laughs) Beavis and butthead slippers. Yeah. Um, But it seems though, in my experience that all of the uh, highest highs and, and, and greatest joys I've experienced they're kind of contrasted by all the terrible things that I've gone through and all yeah. the, the awful, um, experiences I've had. So, uh, yeah. so that to say, way to go, Ty. Dude. <laughs> way to go, Ted. Like, way to go, Ted, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome, man. Um, he scored big time. So your, your, your fathers were in a, uh, in a bluegrass band together. Mm-hmm. Um, which one of your fathers played the mandolin? Did they both play? They both played that. My Come on, dad... back up, way, back away from the mic, and you're not going to tell me <laughs> that you guys had double mandolin in a bluegrass band. <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're both a jack of all trades. Yeah. They play everything. Savage. My dad yeah. was mainly banjo. Mm. Uh, her dad was mainly guitar. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah he guitar. was guitar, but they both played the mandolin. They but they everything. just depend on who wants. And are they out. still best yeah. pals? They're still good friends. Good I mean, friends, yeah. Tyler's middle name is after my dad. It's Tyler wow. Tyler Joel Cripps, but my dad's name's Joel. And, and her middle name is after her dad. Joel, Teddy Joel. My dad really no likes way. his name. <laughs> Dude, your dad's just like spreading his name seed all <laughs> yeah. over the place. You know how many people have named their children after Alan? None. <laughs> our, our, our kid's middle name will be Al. Ow. You said, it. folks, <laughs> you heard it on show. How Good Says. <laughs> Let the record yeah. show that if that child's middle name don't do that. is not out. No, please don't do that. That would be, be a lot some, of pressure on me that names. I cannot live up to. You guys got uh, some names in the canon? Yeah. 
Frankie. Uh, if it's a girl, Frankie. Oh, uh, cool. You have a girl. Uh, you have a girl named Frankie. Yeah, and we Taz do. Yeah, family. my uh, my niece's name. Taz Frankie. told me. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's such a little legend, dude. She's like, oh man, she's full on, dude. So what about cute. the boy? We like Cash. Cash. Wow. Oh, bro, that's such a good name. Cash Crips. Yeah. Cash Crips. Cash Crips. Cash Crips. Shit, is savage, dude. dude. Can his middle name be Cha-Ching? <laughs> <laughs> I think Cash Me Outside Crips. Come on, dude. Yeah. Dude. Please. That's oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, that's so good. Cash Me Outside. <laughs> Cash Me Outside, Ian. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. So, um, beings as you guys, your love sprouted. Uh, from a musical venture between your parents, me and Julian, we prepared. Mm. Uh, we we we, do, we went deep Dove into, into the, the annals of our friendship because our friendship started over over a musical, a love for music, and um, in our early twenties, we made some bangers. Bangers. And what we're doing on our show is uh, because we're total narcissists <laughs> we're gonna make our guests because in, in other scenarios right like you guys would just be able to leave the room right but if you do that right now it's gonna, gonna be look, a little awkward like a jerk. so we're true. gonna play you some of these tunes yes. and we want you to love them <laughs> um Trist, would you mind? I, I, there's a, there's a tune on there called puget sound let's take okay. them back to two th- we're, we're not on this we're not on Puget Sound. No. Okay, go. There's one called Angel. There's a song on there called Angel. We're not on Puget Sound, uh, bro. I definitely laid you a definitely fat laid ass a fat verse, verse on this on one. Come on, Sound. boy. Uh, play, play Angel for him. This is uh, this is me singing the hook. Um, and oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no my way. God. How can read the scars on the wrist? Yeah. Something better must exist. I sound 14. This is about your 14. No, I'm like 25 in this. I sound like I'm 14 and a half. Wait for Jules to drop bars. Buckle up. Check it. Here comes the intro perspective verse. Yeah. Within the cell, I'm like a question, and we beat them, take them by authorities, and we be stripped of the benevolence. But what we want is illegitimate because we have a freedom in life, and that is to give a shit. Not in the formal way you're going in the rolling in college. Guys, this is like 2006. I cannot be the end of it. All right, that, we don't want to give the whole yeah. song away for a trip. You can go on iTunes and buy it for 67 we, we bucks. Got <laughs> we got a copyright on that tune, you know, so don't be, don't, don't go stealing that track. When is this gonna make it a, a second appearance? Is what yeah, I, I think you need a new album. You know what? Something that I've been shocking, insecure about for a long time is <laughs> I brought that album that we had. It was like a burnt CD of all these songs that Alan and I did out at a party one time. And it was must have been at a point in your life, in your career, where you were just like oh, trying to be cool. Oh, and no. we were going out to Capitol Hill to like be recognized. And uh, you, I put it in and I was like, yeah, like vibing out to all these songs. And you pulled the CD out. It was my only CD. Oh, no. And you snapped it in half, dude. And I was like, oh, you were like, God. this is bullshit. And I was no. like, dude, these songs are so good, oh, man. I'm so sorry about that, Jules. Yeah, I, uh... now, look at me now, dude. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now. We know up. where the root of the insecurities <laughs> yes. stemmed from. Yes. It probably did. I, we were talking about Nathan it the other day. Stone. We were talking about it the other day, and I, uh, you know, as a friend to Jules, um, there's. I think the reason why we're such good friends is because I feel 
a like um, a confidence in uh, the 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 volley of our relationship. I know that I can throw something at Jules and he'll catch it. He'll juggle it a few times and he's going to throw it back, whether it be a compliment, whether it be a dig. And, um, I'm not afraid of Jules, uh, you know, like collapsing in on himself and getting into his feels. However, (laughs) come to find out 10 years after our friendship, he's like, he, those things hurt. <laughs> and like we had a discussion about it the other day and I'd like to say on this podcast as I, my hand is caressing your thigh. I'm sorry for breaking that CD at that party in Capitol Hill. It's okay, man. Cuz those Cuz those songs still exist. Dude, they fire. They fire, They're boy. They're living on forever. Come on, yeah, we're putting this totally. up on Spotify. Dude. We should do yeah. a concert. I think we're going to need to because I don't have a job. Me neither. You <laughs> <laughs> need to throw some bangers, but I want to be the DJ. Yeah, done. I, I don't feel know like how the DJ always has the best job. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, just yeah. like you got to look like me though with one earphone out. I worked with this B. I worked. With, oh my god, I worked with this incredibly famous DJ one time. Oops, I'm not gonna name names because this is gonna be <laughs> a bad thing. Can't do it. Not gonna do it. <laughs> his concert. This is his concert. Okay, so he had a like uh, some. They had a guy that worked for him. This guy that worked for him would put all of his songs together on CDs. And he would put them in one of those old like CD yes. jackets. And then he would take the CD jacket to the concert, right? This is like a festival. He's getting paid tens of thousands of dollars. He would take the CD jacket. He would have two CD players. He would put the CD in the CD player. <laughs> no, God. Zzz, put it in. And then every once in a while, just be like this. <laughs> And then put the next one in. Mofo was making 60 G's a show just putting CDs in. I was like, this guy has the best life ever. Somebody get me a freaking sequin jacket. I'm trying to be a DJ. Dude, my brothers were both DJs of my middle school dances, and I felt like they were getting paid $60,000 because of all the attention they were getting from all the chicks I was trying to dance with. Were they both deep? They both at the same time like No, Gabe would come in and do it once, and then Tony would come and do it like another, like, like winter formal and then like spring cleaning whatever those dances were was was uh was gabe picking off all the hotties yes what an asshole i know dude i was always feeling insecure about it (laughs) fancy that jules jules insecurity um so enough about uh my julian and i's rap career but how did you guys then how did you meet so uh jules you want to tell this and then um, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Can I keep my hand here? Only if I can keep my hand here. <laughs> Go for it, Jules. You, you tell. Um, so, Alan grew up in Chihuahua, which is like an hour or so away from here. And uh, a, shout, a, a really, out. A, shout out Chihuahua. Um, a really, uh, one of his close friends, Tristan, um, went to, to grade school with him and moved to the part of town that I grew up in, in like Seattle area in 10th grade and so i was making rap albums with my brother uh during that time and tristan and i befriended each other as he came to our school we were both just kind of like maniac kids that were drinking all the time and partying and um had a quick kinship and he was like oh you're you make music my friend alan makes music too so we would call Alan and he would like get him on speakerphone on our like razor phones, flip phones. And, and we would hear him sing. And he was just like, 
how do 16 year old kids have the capacity to to do that it's super weird like you listen we were listening to some of his old music a couple days ago and it was like he thinks it's awful but it like when you're 16 and you're hearing a voice like that you're like this is unbelievable so anyways fast forward a couple years and uh uh tristan and has has uh, arranged to have alan and like five friends come out and stay at his house because alan's leaving after like they've graduated high school and senior trip senior trip they're coming to seattle to big go to the senior big senior trip we're going to seattle going to the big city and so uh they're planning on staying at tristan's house and like 13 minutes before they arrive tristan's like hey alan I, my mom said you guys can't stay with us like i'm really sorry but you're like we can't accommodate all five of you guys but my friend julian and his dad diego have this really great party house that you guys are totally more than welcome to go stay at and tristan calls me after that phone call and is just like hey dude is it okay alan like his 16 friends come stay with you i'm like yeah whatever dude i don't care and so alan comes over and brings his five friends and they all crash with us for like a week i think and the first thing I say to Alan is like, dude, I'm the biggest fucking fan of yours in the world. And he's just like, you, you swear a lot, you know that? <laughs> and, and I was just so like, just, I couldn't, I, we like, it was, we were friendly and kind and nice to each other, but it wasn't until we like sat down at, the, my dad has like a baby grand in his house and. And like a bunch of maracas and tambourines and guitars and all sorts of stuff. And all of, all of the people that were in there were musically inclined. And so we sat down, Alan sat at the piano and started playing music. And it was like, boom, like instant connection of just like, oh, the music transcends the awkwardness of who we both are in this period of our lives. Mm. Um, and we just like instantly became really close friends and days after he was drinking beers and he was corrupted and his whole life had changed from being a nice Christian boy to being a horrible human being that wound up just making a podcast with this idiot right next to him. Um, I think uh, when I first met Jules, that's obviously how we met. um, There was, and you, I'm guessing both of you have sensed this with Jules is there is like, there's this honesty like there's rhythms in communication that go beyond words, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I believe that we communicate in a bunch of different forms and on a d- bunch of different uh, plateaus, but we we land at words and we forget about body language and the legitimate rhythms that happen in our hearts and in our beings. And there's something about Jules that is so, uh, so incredibly honest that I, uh, up to that point in my life, hadn't been around somebody like that there was always like you know the the people i grew up with incredible human beings but jules has like a level of openness with his with his personality and with his kinship to you that you feel like right away oh this is my best friend Mm -hmm. this human's my best friend i knew uh so i'm 18 you know we spend that week over in seattle um i'm I'm on the like associate pastor Moody Bible Institute path at this point, um, kind of planning on uh, becoming a, a worship minister, I think, at this point. And um, soon there, you know, I went to Moody Bible Institute, which is like a, it's a school here in Spokane. It's like an offshoot of Moody in uh, in Chicago. And 
um, get a call from from a, a record label in Seattle, and uh, they want to do a uh, an album. They want me to come over and cut an EP, and so I convince my folks like I'm gonna here's the scoop. I'm gonna drop out of a college, and I'm gonna write songs. <laughs> Which, thinking back, like I have a child now. If my child came to me and said that, I'd be like, "Fuck you are." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe when you're 35 and you yeah. got a retirement plan, you know. Um, but my parents, bless their hearts, they were just super supportive and super kind. So I moved over to Seattle, and the posse of humans that I was just brought into and loved by was Julian and his whole squad. And uh, it's my first job. I'm, uh, I'm, I've cut this album, and then I convinced the, the owner of this label to give me a job and to, be, to, to work at this label. It gives me a job. Essentially, I'm just like making coffee and scrubbing the floors. Um, but this is my first job of all time, right? And I'm, I got this new group of friends. I'm away from Chihuahua, which there's 17 people who live in Chihuahua. You're related to all of them. So there's no, there's no trick in any of them. Yeah. Like they know that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> um, so I've got this newfound like glow about me thinking I'm something special. And I tell Jules, I say, man, listen, I'm making a little bit of cash. Okay. I'm making like I'm making like 800 bucks a month right now, but I'm like, listen, I'm doing pretty good, okay? Julian's working at a car dealership at this point. I go, you get any Land Rovers that come through? I want you to call me. No, you didn't. So sure enough, like, what? Probably eight days later, it's Julian. Dude, we got, we got a Land Rover. You want to come check it out? I'm like, I'll be right over, dude. I cruise on over. I'm driving a 96 Honda Passport. Yes. Flame red, six-disc CD changer. I ain't fucking with you. <laughs> Drive in there, call Jules. I'm like, hey, can I trade in my rig? I'm going to need to trade in my rig because I got no money. You know? Oh, yeah, we'll trade it in. No problems. We'll get you some easy payments. You'll finance it. Good to go. You'll I had driving. no idea what I was doing as a used car salesman. <laughs> it was just one of my 39 jobs during that period of time of my life. But you found a good deal. No. No. <laughs> so I show up. I show up at the car dealership. Julian takes me for a test drive. I'm driving a 96 Honda Passport. This Land Rover is a 93 <laughs> Land Rover. So I'm buying a rig that has like 30,000 more miles on it and is three years older than the one I'm driving. But my, I don't got no credit. This is my first job ever. Never had a credit card, nothing. So I call, <laughs> I call my mom. Mom, I, I need you to co-sign on this loan. I'm getting. She's like, hold, hold up. What? What are you? You're getting a. You're buying a car. You can't even afford rent right now. You know. God bless my mom's heart. I convince her to co-sign on this loan. My dad is currently on a missions trip in Ukraine, so he can't like step in and be like, "You hell no, get out of there. You're not yeah. doing this." I get the rig, drive back to my apartment. This rig only had a three-disc CD changer, but it was all right, right? Because we, we had a Land Rover now, right? Rolling in style. I get home, immediately get a call from my dad in Ukraine. Alan, take the car back, you idiot. <laughs> like, you know, you're kind of right. I can't, I can't afford this. I have a come-to-God moment. Call Julian up. I'm like, Jules, I can't afford this car. 
I need to bring it back. He's like, no problem, dude. It's, a, it's totally fine. Bring it back. Not a worry. I bring it. I'm driving back. I get about like probably three miles from the car dealership. I get a call from Jules. He's like, hey, man, listen, just going to give you a heads up. My boss is kind of angry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I get it. You know, I'd be angry, too. He's like, yeah, just, you know, fair warning. I get to the dealership and his boss starts verbally berating me about bringing this rig back. He t- At one point during the argument, he pulls, I don't know where the fuck he got this mirror, pulls out a mirror and goes, you see this? Pathetic. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Take a oh good look. God. Pathetic. You can't afford a hunt, you know, whatever, $75 a month for this rig. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sad. I'm belittled. You know, I'm standing there. I'm like, you're right. I'm pathetic. (laughs) Julian shoves his boss. No. Goes, don't you ever talk to my friend like that. Me and Jules barely know each other, right? We've hung out on a, a few a occasions. We've we've polished off like a half bottle of chap lips Carlo Rossi together, <laughs> but that's about it, you know? We're not that tight. Shoves his boss, goes, don't you ever talk to my friend like that. And his boss goes, screw you, Jules. Get out of here. <laughs> Jules, right, being the incredible human he is, throws up the double bird and walks backwards out of the car dealership and goes, I quit. (laughs) Leaves the car dealership. I'm still there at the desk. You got to get your car back. I'm looking to try and just get my keys to my old rig so I can get out of there. But I'm pumped up, dude. I'm like, somebody stood up for me just now, dude. This is a real friendship budding up here, right? Just then, I remember that God bless my father. When I first bought that 96 Honda Passport, he bought me one of these like hide-a-key magnet situations that you hide underneath the scoop. So in case you lock your rig, keys in your rig, you can just get under there and so I, same thing, I walk backwards out of that car dealership, <laughs> double burden this, <laughs> this boss. Yeah, frick you, man. You know, I'm still, on the, I'm still on the straight and narrow at that point. We go to my car, and my car is like behind this fence that is barbed wired in. And we, we, we somehow like get through, we squeeze through the fence, get the rig, get the key open. We both pop in the Honda Passport, throw her in second, and boom. Break through the chain oh of the door, double burden the whole way, Yay! dude. Just talking about our next rap album oh, that we're gonna drop. Shit. And at that moment, it was literally when he stood up for me like that. I was like, "This is gonna be one of this is gonna be my friend for life." Yeah. I have nobody has ever done that for me. And what's crazy about this is I've known Julie for twelve years. He does that same shit to every single person he meets. <laughs> then be, he's be on the subway, be like, dude. You look cold, bro. Here's my jacket, dude. You need here's some gloves. You need this. My yeah, credit cards. Here you go. No problem, dude. It's like the most selfless kind. Well, at um, the expense of my own well-being because I am a mess. You well, no, you're getting you no, know, you're getting better. It's a very, very incredible trait to have. Um, that was a long-winded story to bring it back to center, which is Jules. You're a legend. 
Thanks, man. And you shouldn't be as paranoid and anxious as you Amen. are about well, your uh, your Amen. your life because you you make a lot of people happy. Thanks, man. I got a couple uh, sessions with with Teddy that I'm going to work through. Yeah. So well, I can I'm get, I'm get uh, back to center. I'm her manager, so you're going to need to go through me. <laughs> can I? Can yeah. I have a Can I have a conversation? We'll talk about after the show. We'll talk yeah. about Wednesday walks. We'll We're going to switch Wednesday it up. Walks. It's the boys have been walking with the boys, and the and the, yeah. and the girls have been walking with the girls. We'll do a little switching. Halfway through, I sometimes like walk up to the girls. And I'm like, dude, the girls are talking more on my more on my level. Yeah, talking about their feelings. Me and Ty are talking about, and about, like, talking about rifles yeah. and things up people's butts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> projectiles up the tailpipe. Walking over to the girls, like, <laughs> um, Ty, Teddy, I, uh, Julian, and I both. I, I would imagine that Julian echoes this. We thank the world of you guys. Thank, thank you so yes, much for yes. for sharing your time, sharing your afternoon, sharing your story. Thank you. Um, please come back. This has been a really fun conversation. And, uh, I think anybody who would be listening to this, this podcast, um, uh, would be stoked, uh, at, at what we've been chatting about. Please go. Everybody who's listening, tech, yeah, where check can out. They, where can they, where can they go for, yeah. for stuff to Teddy Joel is the name of our company. I'm a narcissist, so yeah, <laughs> right. um, Teddy You can see all of our stuff and follow us on Instagram. Teddy Joel see all of our new stuff coming out yep. we'll put a little like link in the in the end of this thing or something awesome. like that for you as well thanks guys did do you th- do you feel like we did it do you feel like you do you, do you feel like do you feel like you <laughs> have other it. things that we you want to that you want to address or are you guys good you feel you feel happy and satisfied i'm, I'm so I feel happy. great I'm so i feel happy. good i was gonna actually echo what uh al over here was saying about you is the first time wednesday walk you show up uh and it's, how's your week Oh man, let me tell you. And you just like <laughs> dive into it, but not knowing you and you being able to do that, I was like, this guy's legit. Oh yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I mean, even just being able to just get real and just shoot the shit and not, uh, not just give the standard. I was, and I was a little nervous on the first walk because I was like, it's going to be like, oh, how are you? Oh, good, good. Just super. Yeah superficial stuff which you know great but dude you just let him have it i was like let's do this yeah he's, he doesn't mess it. around he's a very deep and uh considerate and introspective human he's a hell of a guy yeah, yeah you belong in a museum dog yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get my dad on here so we can talk to him and figure out where all this stuff <laughs> oh comes from God. what a legend he is he is the king of cool uh diego gavilanis yeah so well cool. it takes it takes great people to me, 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 be great people. Yeah, you can rewind that Something and try like it over. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I still don't know what I'm trying to say. It's uh, it, good, it, it, people. good people make good people make good people, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all we're all affecting each other, and so it's I can feel safe being around people and expressing myself. But I sometimes I do that to people that I shouldn't, and <laughs> you know, then I and I learn from the consequences. I've talked already on this podcast about getting punched in the face on the subway in New York because I was expressing myself too much. So balance. I had to find the balance. Yeah. And that's let's, what you and I let's, are going to work on. Let's be real with the audience, though. Okay, you weren't trying to express yourself. I know, I was trying you were, to freestyle. You were trying to convince the only African-American man on the subway to freestyle. <laughs> I just wanted to freestyle, man. I, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, I just was, thought, you know, I thought, I thought he had bars. Yeah, you m- might have been might have been profiling there a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that's all right. Wow. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much again for being here. Uh, we love thank you. you. Thank you for yeah, the bag. Thanks, you guys. And um, let's hang again soon. Wednesday walks. Yeah, Wednesday Sounds walks. Good. Right on. Yes. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Thanks. 
Oh, boo-boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire Live at the Lodge family. Yep, yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, patreon.com slash live at the lodge.